morning. It's good to see you. I'm glad you guys are here. Welcome to those, of course, in the auditorium. Got folks joining us online or maybe listening in later on our podcast. I'm Shannon. I get to be the lead pastor here. And however, we say this every week, however you're connecting, we're glad that you're connecting today and are part of this experience. And if you're a first-timer, or maybe you are a, you haven't been here in a really long time, you're coming back, a special welcome to you. It's really good to have you with us. So um, we are in this series called The Gospel According to Genesis, and we are in the fourth week of it, and we're going to be in Genesis 17 this morning. So if you have your Bibles and you want to turn to Genesis 17, you can do that. If you don't have it, it's okay. It'll be on the screen. While you're turning there, um, one of the cool things that I've heard during this series, a couple of things actually, one has been uh, people really appreciate the, the uh, tie-in between the Old Testament and the New Testament, and we see this, uh, the importance of it, which is exactly why we're doing this series, The Gospel According to Genesis, because in Genesis, we see the necessity of the gospel. We see why there is a reason that we need the gospel, that we need Jesus, that we need what he established, what God established through Jesus there. But also, when you go and then you read into the New Testament, you read in the New Covenant, you find um, how the, the things that went on in Genesis and, of course, many other Old Testament books, you see how they come alive or you see how they were brought to their fulfillment. So it's just been really cool. And so I've heard that from people. And then I've heard um, like, oh man, why did I was hoping you were going to talk about, you know, this person or this situation or, oh, I really hope that you end up talking about this chapter. And I mean, Genesis, there's a lot of chapters in Genesis. And of course, we're doing this series leading up to uh, Palm Sunday and then Easter, the Palm Sunday, the week before Easter. And there's just not, we can't cover everything. So a little bit of a plug here, if you are, if you want to go a little bit deeper and know a little bit more, every Thursday we have our 167 podcast, and it goes up on Thursday mornings, and Josh and I, Josh, our media pastor, we talk about um, maybe some things we weren't able to get to in the message, or go a little bit deeper, or explain some things, and then usually I make fun of him at some point during the podcast as well, so if you want to tune in and hear that. But so just, you know, if you're, a, if you're a podcast listener and that's something you like to do, I encourage you to check that out. It's on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and all that stuff. So, okay. So Genesis 17. Genesis 17. We're going to start here and we're going to see a, a conversation uh, that God is having with Abraham. Abraham, very, very important a person in the Old Testament, um, so important. In fact, we're going to talk about him for more than one week. Next week, our student and worship pastor, Justin, is going to talk about the special relationship that Abraham has with his son, Isaac. Um, but today what we find is God is talking to Abraham, and he is setting up a covenant with him, a covenant. And he's saying, I'm going to make a covenant with you, Abraham, and not just you, but also your descendants after you. So much so that you're going to have so many descendants, they're going to be as numerous as the stars in the sky. And he says covenant over and over again. So beginning in verse 1 of Genesis 17, I want to read through here and just notice how many times the word covenant is mentioned. It says, when Abram, see he's not even Abraham yet, actually God ends up changing his name, which is, maybe we'll talk about that this, this Thursday. Uh, when Abram was 99 years old, important to note, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. So that's what El Shaddai means, God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. 
Remember what blameless means. It doesn't mean that he's telling Abraham, Abraham, you've got to be perfect. You can never mess up again. Blameless means when we mess up, we run to God and not from God. Okay? So he's saying, stay in relationship with me, Abraham. Verse 2, I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. Abraham didn't have children yet. 99 years old. At verse 3, at this, Abram fell face down on the ground. Then, so he's blown away by this, okay? It, he's talking to God, and God's telling him he's going to have kids. Then God said to him, again, we see covenant. This is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. What's more, and this is so powerful, I am changing your name. So the encounter was so intense, it was so important, it was so significant that God changes the name of Abraham. He does that a few times throughout the Bible, and it's really, really important. He says, it will no longer be Abram, instead you will be called Abraham, for you will be the father of many nations. I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become, so think about this, one man, your descendants will become many nations and kings will be among them. I will confirm my covenant with you and your descendants after you from generation to generation. So it's not just with Abraham, the covenant being made. It's actually generation upon generation. Uh, verse 8, or no, verse. this is the everlasting covenant. I will always, let me say that again. I don't want to run past it. This is the everlasting covenant. I will always be your God and the God of of your descendants after you. And I will give you the entire land of Canaan where you now live as foreigners. So they weren't in their land. They weren't in their place. They were visitors. They were just there like Airbnb. And now God is saying, no, now you are going to take possession of this forever and I will be their God. So I mean, a lot of significant things are going on here in this covenant that God is making with Abraham and his descendants. So this word covenant is so important. And here's what I want us to do. I want us to understand today what covenant means and why it is so important in our relationship and how we interact with God. So let's start with the definition of covenant. Okay, this is my definition I want to share with you. This is like a, a baseline definition that you know, most theologians and Bible scholars agree on. A covenant... Formal, formally, so it's, it's not just like a, hey, yeah, sure, gotcha, like it's formal. A covenant formally binds two parties together in a relationship on the basis of mutual commitment. Okay, this is what a covenant is. It formally binds two parties together in a relationship on the basis of mutual commitment. Now, you don't have to turn there, but in Genesis 9, God established a covenant with Noah. Do you remember? After they made it to dry land, they finally got off that boat, and he makes a covenant with Noah, and his promise to Noah is, I'm never going to flood the earth again. I'm never going to kill off all living things. I'm never going to cover the earth uh, with a flood ever, ever again. And so now God is establishing another covenant. So here's what I think is really important in this, it's, I think we need to make sure we really get this, okay? Um, if we don't get this, I think we miss the whole point of the covenant that God is making with Abraham. 
We need to understand, and I know this is going to sound for a lot of us kind of like a, of course, Shannon, like why are you even bothering to say this? But I need to hear this again and again and again. So maybe you do too, all right? But here it is. We need to understand that God does not interact with us the way that we interact with each other. God does not interact with us the way that we interact with each other. God does not interact with us the way we interact with him. See, God deals in covenant where we deal in convenience. Okay? God is a God of covenant. God does not interact with us in convenience. He doesn't interact with us based on circumstances. God does not interact uh, with us based on like conditional environments, right? No, we deal with each other in convenience, right? If it's convenient, we will. If it's not, we won't. Like We deal with each other based on circumstances. We deal with each other based on the conditions of the environment. We deal with God the same way when it's convenient, when the circumstances call for it, and when maybe the conditions are just right or maybe just wrong, so we call on his name. But God deals with us in covenant. And in this covenant, we are, we are bound to each other, which means that if this covenant is broken, there's consequence to it. Okay, if we pull away from each other, we pull away from that which is meant to be bound, what happens is it doesn't just, if I'm just like, hey, I want to get out of this covenant, it doesn't just affect me, it affects whoever I'm bound to. So it has this ripple effect, and so generation after generation can be affected. This is why, this is why divorce is so very painful. This is why divorce has that ripple effect that maybe you don't see right up front, but you start to see it later on. Why it affects generation, maybe how, we, how the, the next generation uh, enters into relationship. Because there was a covenant made, there was a binding, and when it, that was broken, it, it caused damage. This is why, I think, I think you guys can hang with me here, but this is why relations outside of marriage, this is why relations outside of the marriage covenant, this is why adultery, this is why these things are so devastating because something intimate was shared that was only intended to be shared within the marriage covenant. Okay? Covenant. And so a broken covenant, what it does is it, it disrupts, it destroys what was never intended to be broken. But see, we are human beings, and we are imperfect, and we mess up. God deals in covenant. God deals with us in covenant. So we don't really have great examples of covenant like amongst us, right? We don't, we don't really have the best, best examples because we're dealing with imperfect people. Promises are broken. We say the word covenant, but we don't really mean covenant, right? But the covenant that God has made with us is it never, ever, ever, ever changes. Like, God does not remove his covenant. And so, if you're a follower of Jesus, and I know I say that a lot. I, I told that to our 930 uh, crew. I said, if you had a dollar for every time I said if you're a follower of Jesus, we'd all have a lot of dollars, right? 
There's a reason I say that, right? I don't want to just throw out the word Christian because we can kind of just, you know, like any word, if you say it so much or so often that it, maybe it loses its meaning. So I'm intentional about saying being a follower of Jesus because that's what a Christian is. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you've given your life to Christ, you are in covenant. You are in a relationship with God. Now, and, and, and one of the reasons I say that also is well, like that, that you're a follower of Jesus, it's because the reality is, is not everyone who hears the message is a follower of Jesus. And we're actually, we're going to come back around to that in just a few moments. But, but I want you to like think about this for a minute. Follower of Jesus. Someone who's like really, maybe you're like at that place where you're like, I'm, I'm really starting to kind of grasp that, that I'm called to be in a relationship with a creator who, who I'm hearing loves me. And I'm actually hearing and comprehending that, that all this burden and, and weight upon me and all this stuff that just is there, like I'm hearing that I can be forgiven of this. Like I'm hearing that I can walk out of my old life and walk into a new life. And so maybe that's kind of where you are. I want you to understand, if you're a follower of Jesus, you are in covenant relationship with God. I don't know when was the last time you thought about that, if ever. But I think it's important for us to think about. I am in covenant relationship with God. And so, what that means is, is we don't go into this thing like just casual, right? We can't just be like, well, you know, hey, it's Sunday, so I'm going to go covenant with God at church, and then I'm going to duck out of the covenant for, you know, until next week. Like, that's, that's not covenant. Like, th that's not how we view this relationship. And so what I want to do just briefly is I want to address a couple of, of mindsets, like ways that we think or possibly think, and I would actually call these like distorted mindsets, like they're not okay, but maybe we've done them enough, we've thought them enough that we just kind of assume that's how it is. I want to address what I would think are two mindsets, distorted mindsets, that keep us from fully living into that covenant with God, maybe fully comprehending that we're actually in the covenant with God. Um, and the first one is this, because see, I what I want us to do is I want us to identify these and go, yep, I'm there, I got you. And then I want us just to take that off the table. Let's get it out of the way. Let's, let's name it for what it is and then move it so that we can live into the fullness of our relationship with God because that's the whole point. So this first distorted mindset is this. I am afraid of being discarded by God because I have been discarded by people. Like this can be an obstacle for some people to fully embrace the covenant relationship with God because they're afraid of being discarded by God because their history, their experience with imperfect people has been, I've been discarded by them. Now I debated on the use of the word discarded. I wanted to use another word, so I'm going to share it with you as well because it might resonate with some of you a little bit more. And it's this, I'm afraid of being disappointed by God. Because I have been disappointed by people. And so this can be an obstacle to us fully living into this covenant, this powerful covenant relationship that God has established with us. So we just kind of talked about this, right? We're, we're not very good. We, 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 we have really bad examples of human covenant. 
We, we don't have the best examples. We, we break them all the time. Like I said, we call them uh, promises or covenants, but we don't mean that. We, you know, people disappoint people. People discard people. It, it's just, and so I just, I want to say this, and again, I know for some of this, it's like, I, I kind of got this, Shannon, but are we living into the reality? Because see, God is not going to discard you. God is not going to discard you. God is not going to leave you or forsake you. For if you've given your life to him, he has entered fully into covenant with you. If you're in covenant with him, you are his. And the good news is he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So his covenant remains the same with us. It, it, if, it, if there's any fluctuation going on, it's, it's on us. He's in covenant with us fully. This is what Romans chapter 8 says. It speaks to this. It speaks to, to the permanence of, of God's covenant with us, like the depth of his covenant. And beginning in verse 38, Paul's writing this, and he says, And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. And then he gives these examples. Neither death nor life, or angels, or demons, neither our fears for today, or our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell, can separate us from God's love. You see this covenant? He says, no power in, in the sky above, or in the earth below, indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Covenant. Covenant. And as a follower of Christ, if you're a follower of Christ, you are bound together in covenant with God, and he is always going to be your father. You might have been tossed aside by people. I'm certain you've been disappointed by people. But that does not mean that God will treat you like that. So we need to embrace the fact that we are in covenant with God. Because then what happens is, is then we have, we can live into like the kind of comfort and security knowing, you know what, I'm not going to be perfect every single time, but God is going, he is faithful to the covenant. But see, if we think the way, we, if we think God thinks the way we think, well, I mean, just take, for instance, Noah, right? Take, for, exa for example, the, the covenant that God made with Noah. I'm never going to flood the earth again. I'm never going to wipe out all living creatures. Listen, if I'm, if I'm treating Noah and the covenant I made, like if I'm in charge of that and I'm the one making that covenant, guess what? I've flooded the earth like 3,000 times by now. God is not going, he does not make covenant, he does not, he does not discard us, he does not go, you know what, I made the covenant, but it's done, like, it doesn't happen. So, we need to do, we need to remember this. We can, we have this mindset of going, okay, God's not going to change, so you know what, I'm going to do my part to be blameless, not perfect, but because my God is so committed to the covenant relationship with me, when I do mess up, what I'm going to do is instead of running in fear, instead of running from him, I'm going to run to him because he is faithful to the covenant. I don't have to fear him. I'm going to run to him. 
We embrace the covenant God's made with us. So that's one mindset. Oh, I think God, you know, he's going to discard me because people have discarded me. He's going to disappoint me because people have disappointed me. That's not our God. He's got a covenant. Here's the other mindset, another distorted mindset. And it's, we'll, in many ways, this will sound con- almost contradictory to what we just said, but hang with me. The other distorted mindset is this. God should always forgive me and love me no matter what I do. God should always forgive me and love me no matter what I do. Let's recall our definition of covenant. A covenant bind, formally binds two parties together, right? So it's not just God with us, but it's us with God, okay? A covenant formally binds two parties together in a relationship on the basis of mutual commitment. So I have responsibility in this covenant relationship with God. It's not just God's responsibility to keep the covenant. You and I have responsibility to live into this covenant. You know, I've, I've asked these questions. I'm sure you have. I'm sure you've been in conversation before where the conver- it might turn to a, a, a theological question like, is it possible for me to fall from grace? Is it possible for someone to lose their salvation? And I understand the, 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 you know, like why we would want to know. Like it would be great to have a definitive answer to this, right? Like we want to know this. But I will be honest with you, when I hear that question, my first, my first instinctual response to that is, why are you asking that question? What's the motivation behind your question? You know, what's, what's, the, what's the motivation on, like, hey, um, you know, Pastor Shannon, I, hey, it's Monday, you know, uh, can you pray for me? And by the way, can you lose your salvation? You know, I want to be like, what did you do this weekend? Like, what happened? You know? Hey, I'm not going to be at church Sunday. I've got this business meeting in Vegas. By the way, can I, can I fall from grace? What are you planning on doing? Like, what's going on? Like, and I know I kind of make light of it, but the reality is, is I wonder how many of us are taking our covenant relationship with God seriously, or are we going, what's the limit? Like, what's the line? Like, how far can I go? Like, what can I do and still be cool with God? You know, let me get out my magnifying glass and let's find the, the fine print here and let me find out what is the bare minimum I have to do to be in covenant relationship with God. Where is it? I just need to know. See, but if you're in true covenant with God, we're not trying to find that line. We're not trying to find that fine print. We're not trying to do this. No, no, we, sh- we, be- we should be in a place where we're going... How can I show my love? How can I show my honor? How I want to grow in this re- covenantal relationship that I have that God has made with me. Like I am on this miraculous journey of faith and I want to be in his word. Like I want his thoughts to be my thoughts. I want to know him more deeply. I want to praise him. I want to be overwhelmed with the goodness of God. That should be where we go as we examine and ask questions about our covenantal relationship. God deals in covenant. 
not convenience. And even when we're a knucklehead, his covenant with us is not broken. He doesn't break his covenant with us. Convenience is how we often deal with him, but it's never how he deals with us. So, I've said a couple of times, if you're a follower of Jesus. But I want to I wanna make clear for those who are not certain exactly where you stand at the moment. You're not certain where you are. I want to make it as clear as possible how you enter into such an amazing covenant. Because see, the way we enter into new covenant with God, not the not the covenant with Noah or Abraham or Moses or King David, like none of those covenants. This is the new covenant, and the way we enter into that is through Jesus Christ and Him alone. Of all the covenants that God made prior to the new covenant, of all of them, okay, four, there's some, you know, debate on are there some other smaller covenants, but the four big ones that everyone agrees on, all right, the covenant God made with Noah, the covenant that we read about in Genesis 17 that God makes with Abraham, the covenant that God makes with Moses through the Ten Commandments, the the covenant that God makes with David and the people of Israel and sets up, all of those were entered into to help the, the, the beautiful, wonderful, chosen people of God to, to glorify him and live a life blameless, running to him instead of from him, right? Every single one of those four covenants that God entered into with them, every single one were broken by humanity. Every one. And guess what? God was fully aware that those covenants would be broken, He was not surprised that the covenant with Noah was broken. He was not surprised that the covenant with Abraham ended up being broken. He was not surprised about the one with Moses. He was not surprised about the one with David and and Israel. He was not surprised. All of those were broken. And so this is why it is necessary for Jesus to come and to set all of those things right. In the book of Hebrews, in the New Testament, We see how Jesus fulfills the covenant, how he fulfills the covenant that we, humanity, are unable to fulfill. We just just are not able to do it on our own. Jesus brings fulfillment to it. Here we read in Hebrews chapter 10, in verse 11 and 12, it says this, under the old covenant... The priests, and so it describes like how the whole like sacrificial thing went on. Under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again. Okay, it's very intentionally written that way in the original language to sound monotonous. You just got to keep doing it every day, all the time. Why? Because it's impossible for what they were doing to, to uh, be the forgiveness of sin, to, to pay for, for the, the, the fall of humanity. It says, the offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sins, but our high priest, talking about Jesus, our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. God 
makes a final covenant with us through Jesus who fulfills our part of the covenant that we have been unable to fulfill. Why did Jesus have to come in the form of humanity? Why did he have to come with, with flesh and bone? Why did he have to do that? There's so many other ways. Why did Jesus come that way? To fulfill the human side of the covenant that had been failed and failed and failed over and over and over again. Broken, 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 broken. Jesus comes and fulfills it. Need to be practicing under that old covenant because we have a high priest. We have Jesus. He offers himself to God as that single sacrifice for sins for all time. Jesus died on that cross to fulfill that covenant that we were unable to do. Now, so, so Jesus, he comes in and he fulfills the covenant God made. He fulfills the one with Noah. He fulfills the one with Abraham, Moses, and David. He fulfills all those. And then he establishes a new one. And I just want to repeat, God interacts with us in covenant, not in convenience. So there's nothing convenient about what God repeatedly had to set up for those that he loves. There's nothing convenient about, um, about what Jesus did for us. It wasn't convenient to leave the presence of God. It wasn't convenient to, to be here in, in, this, in a limited body. It wasn't easy for him to give his life. It was, it was not convenient for him. So we then should not just come to this thing casually and be like, whew, glad Jesus took punishment for me. You are in covenant with the Most High God. How are, you, how are you living into that? How are you thinking about this? How are you processing this? How are you examining this in your life that you are in covenant with God? So we don't, we don't come to this casually. Like we, don't, we, we shouldn't do that. We instead, okay, if you're not sure if you're a follower of Jesus, listen in. But it's a good reminder for all of us. We enter into relationship with God through Jesus because we, we, what we do is we, we go, oh, you want to be in covenant with me, God, okay. We come humbly, not with pride. We come humbly, but at the same time, we come with this. I mean, we, we come with reverence. Like, we come, and it's almost going to seem like this pull of everything. It's like we come with a broken heart, and yet we also come with, like, extreme thankfulness. We, we come with shame, but then we also are coming before him with praise. Like, thank you, God. Like, we come with tears and, and even laughter. Like, we, we come and, and our, our knees are weak, and yet we hold our hands firmly high because we're like, I am in covenant with God. God wants to be in covenant with me through Jesus. We come unable to find the words to say, and then at the same time, we come like shouting like clear praise at the top of our lungs because God wants to be in covenant with us, we come overwhelmed by the reality of his great sacrifice that frees us from the burden of our sin. We come confessing our sin. We come with this desire to turn away from our wrongdoing. That means repentance. Like I don't want to go back there because God wants to be in covenant with me. And we declare that Jesus 
is the Savior. He is our Savior. Covenant. So we don't come before him sporadically. We shouldn't, we shouldn't engage with him occasionally. We shouldn't do this casually or minimally. Why? Because we are in a covenant with the most high God through Jesus Christ. And so this covenant was established by God the Father. It was fulfilled by God the Son. And now we are invited, you and I, all of us, we're invited to live into this covenant with the mark of God the Holy Spirit. And Porch Community, this is the gospel according to Genesis. Would you pray with me? Father, it is overwhelming to comprehend, to even attempt to comprehend the the great, great love you have for us, the the reality of, of repeated covenants that you made with us, not because you broke them, but because we have. God, we thank you for Jesus who has come to establish the final covenant, the new covenant that fulfills law, that fulfills prophecy, that fulfills everything. Like, it is now all there. It's like in place. And we get to live into this? Oh, God, forgive us for taking our covenant relationship with you lightly, without much thought, without examination of our heart on a, on a regular basis. God, would you forgive us? I believe, Lord, that if we choose in this moment and going forward to, to live, to, to worship, to, to look at others, to just function on this planet, if we choose to do that in a way that we're like, I'm, I'm in covenant with God. I am in covenant with God because of Jesus. I believe so many things would be, will, will be different. They will be full. They will be alive that those things that we've struggled with that maybe forever would finally fall off and we would carry them no more. That where there's been brokenness and division, that healing would come because we are people who live in covenant with you. God, I pray that you are stirring up in the heart's those listening right now and there is a desire to know you God we thank you for Jesus we thank you for that covenant established oh thank you thank you and it's in the name of Jesus we pray all these things Amen.